never showed me that before now. Gee. Oh. Yeah, give me a minute. Uh, amen. Good morning, Freedom Center. Evidently, you're a special group of people, and you've put together something with the grace of God to become a special place. And uh, good morning, live stream. If there's anybody still watching live stream, because I think everybody's here today. <laughs> um, it's amazing what a church can do. And that, you put it all together in such a short amount of time. Whew, I'm not even going to watch that in the second service. That's just a highlight reel. How many of you guys know you can show a highlight reel and the lions that look good? You know what I mean? Like it's, but, but literally to see that, that those 18 months of pivoting and changing and adjusting and, and dealing with the strifes and the fears and the divisions and the, you know, all, all the different things we've had to deal with the last 18 months and look back and say somehow you guys still found a way to love people, to love God and the love to serve is an amazing accomplishment. So congratulations. And today kind of serves in some ways as a graduation um, from those seasons. How many of you guys know the best days are not behind us? Matter of fact, you're like, best days? Where have you been living in the last 18 months? As, as, a, as an EMT or as a police officer, as a fireman, you wait for the emergency. You wait for the tragedy. As a pastor that has an evangelistic heart and having the staff that we enjoy, led by Dina, um, I tell you what, man, bring it on. A comet hits the Upper Peninsula, and we'll go rescue all four people that live there, and we'll bring them food, and we'll get them some Oregon duck donuts, and we'll, we'll bless them, because that's the heart of this house. Can you imagine we just sat around for the last 18 months going, well, when things go back to normal, how many of you guys know that an entrepreneur always finds a way to make a profit, and a, and a heart of compassion always finds a way to encompass a need with the love that it needs? And uh, I'm just so stinking proud of you guys. I'm just so thrilled that I get to go to a church like this and, and play and live and enjoy people like you. So I, it wasn't always like this, though, I'll be really honest with you. I, I'm not talking about here, just in my life. But the first time I encountered a living God, uh, some of you know the story, some of you may not, but I, I was an atheist. I didn't have a home. I had a car. Um, I had some addictions issues. I had some problems. I had some entertainment issues. I had some just a very loose understanding of discipline authority. The rules that I could break were all good rules. The rules that I couldn't were all bad rules. I mean, what I'm talking about, I called it freedom, but I was never in greater bondage than during those times. And a friend of mine invited me to a concert. I went to the concert. It turned out to be a Christian event, and someone stood up and shared the gospel. And an atheist um, with a car with issues became a child of God. And in that moment, I thought that God could never do anything more for me. In that moment, I remember saying to my buddy Wolfman, like, life's never going to be better than this. We've arrived. We could die tomorrow. We already enlisted in the military. It's like, if we get killed over there, like, we're going to heaven. Like, every threat this world had against us, it's lost. I'm not afraid of the phone ringing anymore because I have a father. You know, I'm not, I'm not worried about her father calling my father. I have a heavenly father. You know what I mean? I, I'm not worried about the police calling my mom. I have a heavenly father. I'm not worried about going to people and being honest with them about what I've done to them or what I haven't done for them, the lies that I've told them, the way that I've hurt them. Somehow, almost like the 12 steps, like I, I, it's time to make restitution. It's time to admit my faults. It's time to admit my need. And it was this great liberating, I, I, was, I was a slave to freedom instead of a slave to slavery, if that makes any sense. And, and it, I, everything was going well. And then I joined the military, and I realized for the first time in my life that an experience 
experience I had when I was 16 was no longer sufficient to meet the battles that I was in um, being trained to be a soldier. Does this make sense to you? Like maybe you had that experience when you went off to college. Maybe you had that experience when you went off to the factory. Maybe you had that experience when, when you, you turned 14 and said, I'm not sure I believe in the God my parents say they believe in. Maybe you've never believed in God. It's just never been a connection for you. I don't, I don't have, I'm not that I have anything against a God who's there, but if he's there, he's doing a pretty good job of keeping his identity a secret for me because I, I can find no conclusive evidence or whatever your story is. I want you to know this, that we're going to talk today about what God means when he says church, and I think we're going to find out a couple things that, that might shock you because what we think the church is and what God thinks the church is can be very, very different. When I found that church, I was, I was back into my old ways, doing my old stuff, and a guy started knocking on my door. Pastor Jason tells this story better than I do, even though it's my testimony. It's expanded through the years. Most of it's not true, but it's such a great story, you know. I'm just kidding. Now, he tells it word for word, but knocked on the door. Hey, Jim, come to church with me. Hey, Jim, come to church with me. I'm drunk, I'm drunk, I'm drunk, I'm drunk. Jim, come to church. I'm still drunk. How many of you guys know that Sunday morning, unfortunately, follows Saturday night? And so if your whole thing is going to the bar and, and trying to find your way home back to your bed at 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock in the morning, someone knocks on your door at 7, it's not good news. It, and come to church, it's like I smell pickled. It's oozing out of my porch. I mean, there's drunk and then there's stinky drunk. You know what I'm talking about? So stinky drunk Sunday morning, take a shower, do some mouthwash. At this stage of my life, I'd probably drink the mouthwash and forget the shower. And when I get my life together, then I'll go to church. And one day, we were gone for a long time, came back, got back in the middle of the night after not sleeping for three days and, you know, C5 Galaxy star lifters and, and all sorts of crazy stuff. And I stink. I take a shower that morning. I went to, I cleaned my weapon, turned into the armory. I went to my bed just to lay down for a minute and woke up 10 hours later, just still in my filth, camo paint still on my face. At about five o'clock in the morning, I took a shower. I shaved. I put on civilian clothes. I got the next three days off, which if you're in the military, three days is like three weeks for a civilian. Three whole days to go anywhere, to do anything, to have liberty and freedom. And so I, I just, I woke up and there was that knock at the door again. And Bill said, do you want to go with me to church? And I thought, you know what, if I'm, I, I know what happens. As soon as the PX opens, anybody else an addict? Where am I going as soon as I can buy alcohol, right? Where am I going as soon as I can get free from this freedom and get back to my bondage? And uh, I said, if I'm ever going to get free and stay free, I better go today. So I went. The pastor preached a sermon. I had no idea what he talked about. The music was old and we were bringing in sheaves and singing about being wretches. And then some uh, lady who was about probably 140, um, <laughs> blue hair made of plasticky sort of sprayed-on materials, began screaming out like they called it a message in tongues. And I remember I leaned over to my friend and said, is there a back door to this place? He said, why? I said, because if there isn't, I'm about to make one. Like I'm, you know, her, the way she talked, it was like, I'll get you my pretty and your little dog too. That was the tone. I'm like, okay. Confused, scared, and how many of you guys know that when you go to church, it shouldn't make you want to go to the bar afterwards? <laughs> you know, distilled spirit, whatever she's got, distilled spirit, right? That's what it felt like. And so I, I remember um, I'm walking out the door, and the pastor's daughter said, you coming to church tonight, Brother Jim? And she was single, and I was single. And I said, well, bless the Lord, little sister. Yes, I am, because I'm here to pursue the Holy One of Israel. Hallelujah. I chased her for about three weeks, and she was really good at outrunning me, but during those three weeks, God will hold my heart again, and here I am back in the same place I was at the rock concert. I've given my life to Jesus, and I'm forgiven, and I I don't want to go back, but I had something different this time. I had an experience that was very real, born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, 
beautiful, wonderful, born-again conversion. All things are new. But how many of you even though all things are new in one day, it doesn't mean all things stay new the rest of your life. So the second time I came back to the faith, I came back to the faith in community, something called the church. And we had the Crumley family, Johnny Crumley, who became like a brother to me. Why don't you come out to the house? You got a day off? Just come out to the house. So I'd, I'd get off duty at 2 o'clock in the morning, but the Crumley's front door was never locked. I'd walk up the stairs. I could walk up to their refrigerator leg. It was mine. How many of you guys know that when you're in the military and they put stuff on a shingle and you go to Mrs. Crumley's kitchen, there's always something better in Mrs. Crumley's kitchen, right? So there's baked this and, you know, boiled that and broiled those, and you just kind of like... And you go up to that, you just keep chewing as you go up the stairs, lay down, go to sleep, wake up as, whenever you wanted to. You, you sleep as long as you want, but chores started at 6, and you're a part of the family, so you're going to be a part of the chores. Sleep as long as you want, but at 6 o'clock, we're feeding pigeons or whatever. So we're up, and I'm, I'm milking the chickens, and I'm getting the eggs from the goats, and I'm doing, I don't know, I'm, I'm from Bloomfield Hills. What do I know about milking chickens? You know what I mean? So we're doing the stuff we got to do, and, uh, but it, 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 I remember we'd sit down for breakfast, and Mr., uh, Mr. Connolly would say, all right, let's sit down, and he'd open up the Bible. And he'd do a devotion with everybody, his children, his wife. He, he and his wife, is, and they say, you know, mother, why don't you pray over us? And they'd pray over all of us. And for the first time, I wasn't just a Christian. I saw Christianity. Does that make sense? Yeah, now, Christianity's got a bad rap, right? Kind of like love. Love was love until country western music got a hold of it. Now we're not quite sure what it means. Love was love until disco. And now we don't know what it is. People are like, disco? Look it up. It's on YouTube. And, and here we have this, it's like, it's like Christ is among us. Jim, what do you think about that? Like, uh, what? Well, that Bible verse I just read, what do you think about that? I think that's the first time I've ever heard that. Give us your thoughts. And I, I try some King James English. Well, I thinketh, mine own conclusioneth, is, and he says, stop. Jim, what do you think of that? I'm like, I don't know what, I, what to think about. He goes, let me ask you these three questions. So he'd ask me and I'd answer him. Before I knew it, I knew what Mr. Crumley knew about that verse in the Bible. I st- Jim, would you lead us in prayer? How many guys, it doesn't matter how I'm exhaling, I just like to do it. Ask any of my teachers. Jim has potential, but he talks too much, right? So I'll talk to God. Hey, God, I remember saying things that I, I honestly, from this platform right now, I can't even repeat. So God, you know, that devil, I'm just going to kick his, like, oh, Jimmy, oh. Just going to grab him by the and just going to squeeze. Jimmy, no, 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 stop, don't, just Back in, you know? So he'd take me for a walk and say, okay, thou art stupideth. You know what I mean? But try this. Just don't try to do your imitation. Don't be loud. Like, like God's not deaf and don't be quiet because God's not, you know, nervous. Like, just, just be you. Like, I learned how to pray by watching people pray. I learned how to love a woman by watching him love his wife. I learned how to be a father by watching him pray over his family. I learned scripture because that's what they talked about their family. So I went from that back to Sunday morning. And now someone explained to me what sheaves were. Someone explained to me why, you know, the lady was screaming. <laughs> Somebody explained to me what was, and, and I began to find myself, like, not, not just being a Christian, but being a part of a community called a church. So today I want to talk about, you're like, that was the introduction? I'll be done in 10 minutes. How many of you guys believe in miracles, right? What, is, what does God mean when he says church? Because today we say, what church do you go to? How many of you guys know how many churches are there? Do you know? There's one. So, no, Catholic, no, Protestant, no, Baptist, no, Pentecostal, no. There's only one church, and that church belongs to God. There's lots of expressions of the church. There's culture, there's language, there's demographic, there's age, there's urban, suburban, rural, there, there's up and out, down and out, there's missions, there's, there's all kinds of expressions of it. But how many of you know, if it's alive, it belongs to the one who gave it life? 
right? So it's, it's not traditional. It's not millennial. It's not contemporary. It's not non-denominational or denomination. Those are cultural expressions. But what does God mean when he says church? He means three things. Number one is this. It's a gathering of people who've come together away from a natural life because of a supernatural revelation of who Jesus is. We may get no farther than this this morning, and that's okay with me. But I want you to understand this. A church is not the place I go to do the thing at the time with the stuff. Church is a supernatural group of people. What do you mean by supernatural? There was something we realized about who Jesus was that changed who we were. Now, that is, I haven't had that experience. That's okay. You're in the right place to have that. You're in the right group to have that. But until the word becomes flesh, it's just words. Until we see it living in our lives. So Jesus begins to teach the disciples about church, and he does it with a question. Here's the question. Matthew chapter 16. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, here's the question. Who do people say the Son of Man is? Jesus is referring to himself. He's the Son of Man, and he's the Son of God. Who do people say I am? Now understand this. This is where the church, capital C, begins. The church begins when people ask that question, and they answer it in a supernatural way. Their answer at first, is based on the thoughts of men. So they say, well, you know, some say you're like John the Baptist raised from the dead. Some say you're like Elijah raised from the more dead. And others think maybe you're like Jeremiah. You're like one of the prophets. Like they're talking about reincarnation. They're talking about the spirit of one man resting on another man in a different generation. Like they're, they're, they're saying, some say this, some say that. And I love what Jesus is doing. We, when, you, when you bring down artillery on your position, you don't start your position. You start a long ways away from your position and then you walk it in. Does that make sense? So they, they you know, I, I need it in this grid sector and it's about, you know, it's, it's on the other side of the parking lot by the dumpsters. Now you walk it in. Now bring it in 10, bring it in 12, bring it in 15, bring it in, right? And you're bringing that artillery into that place. This is what he's doing. So who do men say that I am? And they feel safe enough talking about what other people think of Jesus. But the reason Jesus asked the question is not to get other people's opinions. Because it doesn't matter what the thoughts of men are. It matters what God is, right? So Jesus brings it in. He says, but what about you? Now remember, there's 12 of them. Jesus, 12 disciples. He asked, who do you, plural, who do you say I am? And the answer to that one question becomes the foundation of something we now call the church. Simon Peter, the one who had a uh, needed sunscreen for his tongue during the summer months because his mouth seemed to always be open, right? I love this guy. He doesn't know what he's thinking until he hears himself say it. I relate to that. So this is what he said. So who do you say I am? And Peter goes, you know, Matthew, the task calculator is going, okay, three, four, carry the two, the prophecy, and the, but the, you know, Judas is like, I just need some more money, dude. I'm just here for the beer. You know what I mean? And, and John's like, I don't know, but can we cuddle some more? Like John was, you know what I'm saying? But, but Peter, without thinking, without talking himself out of the answer to that question, what others might think, what the issues, what the doctrinal problems, Peter just blurts out, you're the Messiah. You're the one prophesied by all the prophets about someday God will take on flesh and dwell among us and lead us to a glorious victory, lead us to eternity. You're the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father. Now get this, get this, get this. What is the church? What does God mean when he says church? He doesn't mean the style of music. He doesn't mean we meet on Saturday because that's the real Sabbath. No, no, we meet on Sunday because who cares about the Sabbath? He doesn't mean preferences of dress and politics. Dear God, he doesn't mean politics. 
Please say it with me. He doesn't mean politics. He doesn't mean race. He doesn't mean socioeconomic divisions. When Jesus says church, regardless of your race, your color, your creed, whatever is marked on your door, if there's a cross on your steeple, you have no steeple because you meet in a bar that was Saturday night that's now a church Sunday morning. What Jesus means when he says church is people who know who Jesus really is. When they come together with a supernatural revelation, that is the church, right? It's not a dogma. It's not a, a 16 tenets of faith. These are important things, but that's not what Jesus means when he says church. It's a revelation of who Jesus is. Now, look what Jesus says in response to Peter's reply. He goes, and I tell you that you're Peter. This is Simon, son of Jonas. Now he says you're Peter. What he gave him is, was a nickname that Peter went by for the rest of his life. It's, it's the book of Peter, first and second Peter, not, you know, first and second Simon, right? So Peter takes on this moniker, and the reason he does is because Jesus gave him a nickname. He called him Rocky. Peter, or Petras, Petras means, means a, a rock, a movable, you can construct something with it, but it's not, it's not a pebble, but it's not the cliffs of Dover. It's not a rock face. You are Peter. You're, you're a rock. You're a bowling ball. I like the bowling ball because I can hold it. Then this is you. You're Peter. You're rocky, right? Um, and on this rock, Peter the rock, but now he says on this rock, the second rock is the word Petra. Petra doesn't mean rock that you can manage. It literally means like mountain. It means like, like uh, you ever seen the White Cliffs of Dover as you come in to cross the English Channel or whatever it is, and there's the White Cliffs, massive, structural, unmovable, thousands and thousands and thousands of pounds of explosives couldn't move it. He says, you're, you're rocky, but on the rock of the confession, on the rock of the revelation, on the rock of you knowing who I really am because my heavenly Father showed you who I really am, that's what I'm going to build my church on. You get this? And the gates of hell won't overcome it. I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me. The church that Jesus calls church is built on the revelation of who Jesus is. It's faith. It's trust. It's not style. It's not millennial. It's not, you know, whatever boomer. It's not, right? Like the, the, what Jesus says as a church is we're two more gathered together knowing who he is. Second thing is this. People who are placed by God like bricks that form the structure of a temple. And I'll just read this to you here. God is building a home. He's using us all. Irrespective of how we got here. It doesn't matter if you're homeless, you're up and out, down and out. In what he is building. He used the apostles and the prophets to lay this firm, square foundation. Now he's using you. Fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone, with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone, that which supports all the other stones, that which holds all the parts together. We see it taking shape, man, day after day. And us put together, as he's talking about on the foundation of what the apostles, the revelation of Jesus, they built by God, all of us built into it, a temple in which God is quite at home. How many of you guys have heard the statement, my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Usually people say that when they don't want to eat broccoli. Are you with me? I don't do that. Why? Temple of the Holy Spirit. You know what I mean? And it's true that when Paul is dealing with sexual immorality, he's saying, listen, your body is, is like the temple of the Holy Spirit. But, but when this is being said here in Ephesians, the same Paul who wrote your body, the individuals, the temple of the Holy Spirit, says our bodies to collectively together put together the temple of the Holy Spirit. You guys still here? So what he's saying is this. My life has meaning, but only in connection with your life. Your life has individual meaning. But it has a greater meaning when it's part of something fit together. When God does the gluing, when God puts the brick in the right place, brick by brick, stone by stone, he's building something that he's proud to be in and feels at home in. Lastly, the church is this. Those who choose to live in a fully, this is weird, this is my wording, but it makes sense to me, I hope it does to you too. Those who choose to live in a fully independent, 
interdependence with others. Those who, who live willingly, complete autonomy over my life, but I choose to make my life a part of your life just as you've chosen to make your life a part of mine. And piano guy, join me if you would. We're going to land the plane. There are people that say this like that. You're asking too much. Like it almost sounds cult-like, doesn't it? Like everything I have belongs to you. And you're like, okay, finish it. And everything you have belongs to me. It's like, yeah, I knew you were in this for something for, your, for yourself. And you say it, it, human beings can't function that way. That's socialism. That's communism. That's slavery. That's cultism. And by the way, I'm not defining what any of this means for you. And I will never knock on your door and say what you have belongs to me. You can knock on my door and say, I'd like to borrow your stuff. I say, let me, let me pray about it. Dina, is that okay if they borrow our stuff? And, and, I'll, and I'll come back. Right? What I'm simply saying is this. Guys, hear me. We, when I willingly would take my independence and make it interdependent on who you are, God says, I'm in that. When your strengths and my weaknesses meet, when, when my abundance and your lack meet, when, when I have three cars and you don't have one and you got to get to work and those meet, when you've been through hell and you come out the other side of it and I'm walking into hell saying, I don't know what to do next, your testimony creates courage and encouragement in my life. It's, it's this independent, but this willing dependence. Hear me. I said this last week. If you're doing really, really, really well, and this is your first time at church in a while or maybe a year and a half, like, that's awesome. But I'm doing really well. I found I don't really need to go to church. You might need to go to church, but this church needs people that are doing really, really well to go here. Because not everybody's doing really, really well. We need people that are doing really, really, really well just to sit in front of us, just to sit beside us. I, I walked by today, and I saw two friends out there sitting in the chairs. They'd finished their donuts. I don't know what they were talking about, but I watched as one put his hand over on the other one, and, and they just started to pray for each other. And, and by the way, it wasn't lost on me that one is a Michigan State fan, one's an Ohio, one's a Michigan fan, one's an Ohio State fan. I literally went over with my phone to get a picture because the memes were going to roll off that photo. <laughs> the only way to recover is this prayer. Need a miracle. You know what I mean? But I, I, I saw Kim praying for Mark. I thought, that's really awesome. Like, that wasn't like at the place, at the time. That was just some, I don't even know who was praying for who, by the way. But that was someone's strength meaning someone's weakness and both of them going before the Lord. Does that make sense? The best church you're ever going to have probably won't be in this room. And I probably won't be with you when you have it. Because we're two or more gathered together in a car. We're two or more gathered together to play Uno. We're two or more gathered together to take a walk. We're two or more trust each other and trust the Lord enough. Jesus says, I'm not missing the party. Laying down rights. See, that's an impossible standard. Uh, again, if you're in the military, that's the way you live. If you've been married, that's the way you live. If, 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 uh, if my staff lives this way, I've never said no. Hey, can I borrow your truck? Like, no, it's mine. Well, I'm a little over my miles. Like, hey, can I borrow your guitar? Hey, can I, you want to come over for dinner? Like, we literally share as a family shares. Why? Because we love Jesus, we love each other. You guys have this in your groups. You guys have this in your family, some of you. you guys, some of you guys, like, at another church you met years, I mean, decades ago, and you're still doing life together because you know something happens together that can never happen apart. Is this true? So don't miss the opportunities to be something in someone else's life and receive the things that you need. Laying down rights and picking up responsibilities is honestly the key to happiness. He says it this way. He says, let us hold unswerving to the hope we profess for he who promises faithful. And let us, everybody say us, consider how we, everybody say we. We're going to spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Here's the problem. My faith, the first time I gave my life to Christ, never became our faith. And when it's just mine, it's, it's not really hard to beat it out of you. 
manipulate it out of you, to grieve it out of you, to go through a hard time. And when you're through that hard time, it's gone. When we are interconnected with each other, your strength becomes mine when I need it. A shared burden, by definition, is 50% lighter. A shared victory, by definition, is 100% sweeter. We were meant to do life together. My faith is supposed to become our faith. It's supposed to become the church universal. So I'm glad. I'm glad you came to church today. I hope it was worth your time. I hope, hope seeing the babies. I hope, you know, singing the songs. I hope the prayers of encouragement. I hope seeing, man, that video I'm going to live off of for the next three days. I could just like do without root beer and just watch that and life would still be as sweet. Somebody say amen, right? I, 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 hope, I hope that this has been an enjoyable thing. And I hope that you understand that next week we're going to do something like this again. Just like we did last week. Just like we're going to next week. Just like we're going to do the week after that. And not because we are Freedom Center Church, but because Freedom Center Church is part of the church, there will always be an expression of faith. There will always be an expression of community. We are here to love God, love people, and love to serve. Just like Pastor Jason, he invented that. GPS. Love God. Love people. Love to serve. Because that's our GPS. That's the thing that, that's the thing that tells us where we're going to turn here or don't turn there. That's our GPS. So if you want to do life together, you want to lay down some rights and pick up some responsibilities, you want to take your, inter, your independence and make it interdependent, you want to get from here to heaven in community, like you can go to heaven by, and never go to church. Does that make sense? You give your life, to, the Bible washes up on the desert island, you're there with Wilson, and you read it and you believe you're going to heaven. It's not like, I have to go to church. You don't get something in the points category with God by going to church. What you do get, though, is, is the existence for which you were created because you're created to live in community. You have strengths that are wonderful, testimonies that are glorious, but they're incomplete until you share them with someone who needs them. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Big bank accounts, wonderful. Helping somebody buy a car they can't afford it is wonderful-er. Before we go our separate ways, I just have one last question. Is this. I never want to end a service without having something like that end our service. Because if Jesus is a teacher or the church really plays an emotional role in your life as a club or a, a group, um, I've had people say, you know what, I, 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 uh, where have you been? I haven't seen you for a while. Yeah, you know, my kids in travel soccer. And so all those families, we all get together on the weekends and we all go to lunch together and we all, and, and by the way, I have nothing against the evil sport of travel soccer. I don't, I hear it in my heart. Stinking hockey, no problem, right? But, but understand this, what you're getting is, is friendship, relationship. But how can, how can wood sharpen iron? Iron has to sharpen iron. Does that make sense? Uh, a friend of mine this morning sent me a text. I'm sorry. A friend of mine who stays up way too late texted me last night, Zach Abel. And, and I, I responded to his text this morning. It's his first year of college. He's like, hey, well, how do you answer this question? When someone says this, what do you say? Like, how many guys know you, you can't just call in on a radio show and get that? That 18-year-old guy who's in college in Boston learning how to do music sent me, and I've got friends. I want, I want, I want them to know what I want them to know. I want them to be what, I, what God wants them to be. And so this has been their response. I don't need God. I just don't, I feel no need for God. How do I respond to that? How many of you guys know that iron has to sharpen iron, right? And by the way, that kid's sharpened me far more than I've sharpened him to my knowledge. He loves the Lord. He's a great guy. He has honest questions. I'm a better man because Zach Abel's my friend. And he's like a third of my age. Oh, that's terrifying, but it's true, isn't it? 
uh, it's true, it's terrifying that you're my friend. No, it's terrifying that I'm, I'm that old. But I'm just saying this. How many of you guys know we can learn from each other, we can help each other, and we can live together? So I'm doing fine. Great, do fine here. I'm doing terrible, and I'm ashamed. No, no, be here because there's no shame where there's love. I'm afraid. Perfect love casts out fear, right? This is the place where heaven comes to earth. And it can come here, it can come in your car, it can come at the restaurant, come to your group. I am not saying if you're not here next Sunday, something's wrong with you. Ah. I'm saying if you're not a part of what Jesus is doing, you're going to feel apart from Jesus eventually. I don't want to feel apart from him. I want to feel like I'm a part of him. And that is decisions that we make. Are you, who do you say Jesus is? He's a good teacher, historical figure. He's Copernicus, he's Washington then I, I will not stand up here today and give you historical evidence and why the Bible this. I, it, but I would say this. If you don't know that you know who he is, then just pray with me. God, I pray that you would open my heart to any realities concerning Jesus Christ. I pray that, that if my eyes are shut, you'd open up, my ears are stopped, you'd unblock them. I pray if my heart is hard, you'd soften it. But I'm going to give this Jesus thing an honest rip. I'm going to, I'm going to give it a chance. Because, because if, if all those hands have said, yes, he's alive, and I've experienced miracles, if I, either this is the, the largest room of psychotic liars ever who are plotting to, to win your mind, you watch way too much science fiction, or something's happening, and we really want you to be a part of it, whether it's here or somewhere else, I, I could care less. What I care about is the revelation. Who do you say he is? you close your eyes as we close this morning. Father, I pray in Jesus' name for what only the Holy Spirit can do in moments like this. I I try, talk so long because I'm trying to use words to do something really only your strength can do. So I, I pray now in your strength, in your strength, reveal, reveal, unblock, unharden, soften, and show us you are the Son of God, Jesus. You are the Son of God. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. And at the close of every service, we usually take a moment and say, listen, if you're here, and the day's like the day the light came on, today's the day I, I, I'm ready. Today's the day I've thought it through. Today's the day it's time. And today when I leave this place, I want to walk out with the same junk I carried in here. Today I want my sins, that which separates me from God, to be eradicated, forgiven. I want to stand before God just as if I'd never sinned. We're justified is a biblical word. It means to be released, to be the debt to be paid. It's just if I'd never sinned. That's how I remember what the word justified really means. It's just if I'd never sinned. That I could stand before a holy God and there would be no sin from last Tuesday. No anger from a week ago Thursday. No lust from, you know, a month ago. No no fear from last year. No, no hatred towards people. No unforgiveness. It's gone. Just if I'd never sinned, brand new, born again, standing before God. Jim, I believe Jesus is the only one who can do that for me, and I ask him to do it today. If that's you, heads are bowed, eyes are closed, and by a simple raise of the hand, you'll acknowledge. Because I know your hands attached to your heart. <laughs> you raise that hand, I know that your heart's open to him. If that's you today, today, Jim, is my day, and I want to give my life to Jesus, and I accept his life for me. If that's you, raise your hand right now, all over this room. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Hands are going up. Today's my day, man. I'm, I'm done trying. I'm done dating the world. I'm done. Like, today's the day, Jesus, you are the Son of God. You're the Messiah. You're the one that was sent for me. And I receive that today. Thank you, Father, for every lifted hand. Thank you for every open heart. 
I pray now, God, but you, this happened once and I walked away. And when the world got a hold of me, I went back to it. I pray that now the church would come around and we'd be honest with where we are, that we would, we would see the benefit of being a family with one father. Not going to church with a small C, but the church of the living God, capital C church. We now belong to it. We're in your family. Your wars are our wars. Your victories are our victories. Your people are our people. We'll never be alone again. We'll never be alone again. I thank you for that now. Forgive us, free us, and fill us with your spirit in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. 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 So glad you came. So glad you came. Welcome back. Um, I'll give you one last quiz. What are we here to do? I know we're here to win the loss at any cost. It doesn't cost us our beliefs, but what, what is that map that gets us there? We're here to love, love, and love to, to get to it. Stand on your feet, would you, all over this room? God bless you. We love you. So excited for you. And uh, we'll talk again real soon. Live long and prosper. For those of you that are Trekkies, the cool kids in the class, God bless you.